One of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. We lift you up, Jesus. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You're worthy to be praised, magnified, adored, exalted. You are high and lifted up. You're high and lifted up. And we thank you, Jesus, for being our maker, our creator, the one true and living God. And we honor you and we love you for what you're doing in our midst today, how you're helping us, how you are loving us, how you are caring for every single need that we have. And we bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. So <clears throat> I was thinking about our, our teaching yesterday on <clears throat> the woman that uh, Jesus healed who was, uh, he found her in the synagogue. Amen. That's where he finds a lot of his, uh, <laughs> I guess, tough cases. Right in church. People come to church and have needs, and their needs ever get met. And before you know it, you've been. She was there 18 years with an infirmity, and nobody ever did anything to help her. And uh, you know that's what it is. The way it is in churches that don't really preach the gospel the way God wants them to, with signs following. You got to preach it with faith and conviction. So that God can show up and do what his word says he's going to do. Amen. So God is faithful if we'll be faithful to preach. But you know churches nowadays they keep people so entertained. You know you get free babysitting. And a lot of people that work hard when somebody says we have children's church. Boy that's right up their alley. They just flock there because... They can get rid of the kids for a couple hours, you know, let somebody else. <laughs> when it comes time for their turn to rotate through, oh, I got to work, right? You know, to lead the kids out for that way. You skip that week. Right. So you know what I'm saying. It's just, and it's too bad because church was never meant to be an entertainment. It wasn't meant to provide child care for us. It was made to provide spiritual growth and enrichment and help for us. And so this woman had been in that church all of her life, apparently. And so Jesus said something kind of interesting to her, if you want to turn to Luke chapter 13. So I thought I would would pick up there and uh, continue on here so that we can understand what God's doing, why he does it. Um, Luke chapter 13, her story starts in verse 10. It says here, uh, like I said, 13, if I find the right chapter, where's a little Howard with his creepy uh, organ music from yesterday, (laughs) right, (laughs) his creepy organ music, (laughs) you don't know if it came from a church or the Adams family, I don't know where you got that music, (laughs) you know what I'm saying, (laughs) anywho, It says here, and as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and couldn't straighten up. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. He laid hands on her. She was made straight and glorified God. So here we have an instance 
where Jesus came to her. He saw her in her broken down condition, her hurting condition, her sick, her weak condition. And he called her over to him. He sought her out. Amen. He sought her out. So we're going to talk today about the God who keeps covenant is seeking you. Amen. Amen. He's seeking us to keep his covenant. He's looking for you. So don't everybody get scared and run the opposite direction. You know, even after we get saved, we have this little idea about what's he looking for me for. He's looking for you to do you good. He said that to the nation of Israel. He said, I am here to do you good all the days of your life. And so the God who keeps covenant is seeking you to keep covenant with you. Now, we're not sure how uh, sometimes, you know, you, you get saved, you wonder, well, who prayed for me? And how did I get? Well, we don't know. But we know that God keeps up with everybody that has a covenant with him and everybody who's invited into this covenant. So he seeks us anyway. You know, he did not, we did not choose him. He chose us. And he does things after the counsel of his own will. So it doesn't have to add up in the natural. You don't have to know like, Amy so-and-so was saved and she must have prayed for me. And he don't know if she was saved or not because we, <laughs> we ain't got the end of the story yet. So we, don't, we can't track these things down. And many times when salvation comes to us, it's really kind of a shock and a surprise. Because I know it was to me because I was just looking for help. And I looked for help in the, in the normal quarters. You know, you go to doctors. I had a nervous breakdown. You go to doctors and you look for help or you go to your friends that supposedly are in the healthcare field and you look for help. And I realized there was no help there for me. And I began to cry. Or you, you, if you need help, you got to get an appointment. Well, suppose you need it today. You understand what I'm saying? <clears throat> so when God calls you or he's seeking you, it becomes evident to you that he's the only one who can help you. Because what you got, nobody can tell you don't even understand what's wrong with you sometimes. Or what your need is, how deep your need is. And, but you know you don't have the resources for it. And you don't know anybody really that's that deep that can help you you understand what i'm saying you, you got deep problems here this ain't just no this ain't just no you know everyday thing this is serious you know if you're facing a, a divorce or separation or something like that you can't call your girlfriends to tell you what to do because they barely hanging on well girl if it, the truth was be told I said, oh lord here we go nobody can even listen to your little conversation <laughs> most churches you go to they talking about something else just like it was with with the uh the woman that was this woman right here that was bent over what did the religious people tell you oh no you can't get no don't come here on a sunday looking for no help now you come monday through saturday and we'll take care of you huh or she's been coming Monday through Saturday for 18 years and they ain't done nothing for her. See what I'm saying? So the world will always put you off. The devil's people will always put you off. 
when you got deep problems, you need God and you need God alone. And he's looking for us in our time of need. He's looking for us in our deep problem. He is looking for us. He is seeking where we are so that he can bring help to us because he is a God who keeps covenant and mercy. The Bible says to 10 generations. That was the old covenant. He keeps covenant and mercy eternally now. There's no limit on how long he wants to keep covenant with us. And so Jesus, when he saw her in need, he called her over to him. And this is where we think we're initiating things in God. Just because you're asking, that don't mean you started it. (laughs) How would you know who to ask? You know, it's a relationship type thing where you, you you don't know who... Who was the first one to ask into the relationship? You know, my late husband would get into this all the time. Well, I don't remember asking you to marry. I said, oh, shut up. Care what you remember or not, we married. Like, you got to remember something. I will refresh your memory real quick. Slap him into reality. Who cares? We married. Huh? So it's a relationship. And and we feel, sometimes we feel such an urgency to respond to God that we think we're the ones who asked, you know, we're the ones who started. And I think sometimes that is the great uh, uh, misunderstanding in believers, that we don't have to be the ones to initiate every interaction with God, even though it is good to let him know you put him first but many times he seeks us out in fact i think it's that seeking drawing toward god that lets us know that he's the one that we need for this situation you got me it it just kind of fits like that you know like uh, my husband would say things like um i i asked him one time i said well can can you do so-and-so? He said, well, who else you going to ask? We take that as a yes, you got me. In, in husband-wife language, yes, and that means yes. Uh, kind of a non-committal yes, but yes anyway, you know, in that language. So, But there is no one else to ask for certain things in your life. You understand what I'm saying? And so God knows that he is the only one who will fit the bill in these things. And I think that's why he seeks us. He tries to make it as easy as possible for us to feel comfortable coming to him with our needs. So that we will know that we do have a relationship where we can continue to come to him. We can expect him to be there all the time. He wants us to get that comfort and that confidence with him so that we don't look for another. You got me? We, we know that we found the one. And so when we know that we found the one, we know that we can continue in that relationship of trust and in, in that relationship of faithfulness, that we can judge God faithful at every turn. 
know that he will never leave us or forsake us he's not tired of us asking you know he's not human in that respect where he would turn us away because uh, we're putting too much pressure on him or we're not doing enough for ourselves that kind of thing Uh, he knows when to step in and with this woman he saw that 18 years was way too long and in verse the last verse of this story which one is it he says here in verse 16 he says and ought not this woman being a daughter of abraham who satan is bound these 18 years be loosed from this bond on the sabbath day now she's worth more than an animal he said you got farm animals and you loose them from the stall where they're restrained from getting water if they're thirsty you let them go so they can get free and get water he said isn't she worth more than one of your farm animals if you had compassion on one of your animals don't you have compassion on her and the answer to the pharisees is no make her come back huh today ain't your day see to the religious today is never your day it always was or is always somewhere off in the future but it's never now got me and so uh, when jesus shows up your answer is now you got me your time is now he means he wants it done now so faith does not always initiate but it also but it always receives so your faith will not always initiate in interaction with god but it must always receive it so what we see happening in this interaction is jesus called he saw her he called her over to him and she must have gone up to him and that act of faith was enough to cause her to receive because the next step was he laid hands on her and she straightened up and she was healed and so faith is in operation in our relationship with god it's not he's pursuing us and tracking us down and throwing stuff at us we have to stop and allow our faith to draw that answer into our lives or it's not going to get there it won't happen so many times we'll get to the point of receiving from god and then shrink back in fear because we're not sure or we let the devil talk us out of it or say something religious and crazy like uh wait till monday you got me see that wait till monday is in everybody's brain because in order for you to to know that god would give it to you now it would kind of mess your head up some just like it did this lady she just walked up to him and after he released that healing she leaped around and started praising god see we have that in us where we know that it would be a major shift in our understanding of god if this were to happen for us right now you understand what i'm saying and a lot of times that's what we shrink back from huh oh god if you did that i'd just go plumb crazy you know what i'm saying so your carnal mind kind of wants to protect you in this zone of let's tone it down let's get it normal so we can handle it but we have to let that go and trust god see when you trust him you trust him with the effect that it's going to have on you too you understand what i'm saying you won't go nuts if god continues to bless you a whole lot Uh, he'll give you the ability to handle it and let it work well into your life so faith does not always initiate but it must receive 
you must go up to like when we have altar call here once you come up to the altar don't let the devil talk you out of asking for what you need once you get up here you got me i think sometimes the hardest struggle is getting up out that chair getting up out the seat and making your way up to the front you know now some of us train ourselves whenever the altar call comes let's get up there let's get to getting you know what i'm saying you just break that unbelief off of you and uh, understand that god is there to meet your needs and, and you do but it'll shock you the number of people that will answer an altar call and then come up and ask for something stupid or say something crazy that has nothing to do you know it's like you start thinking and say well i can't let her know like what's that gonna do to you if i know someone i don't know i don't know what's going on here a lot of times myself just here to to be the handmaiden of the lord you know <laughs> we're just working for god here but it, it'll it'll shock you the way your mind will flip you around and try to tell you different things you got to fix it up so it don't sound like or you got to make it sound spiritual so i gotta say something like well i know i got faith and i know i believe so between the time of hearing what what you know god has for you and receiving it the enemy can steal that faith from you just real quick like that where you are all gung-ho to receive your healing and get up and walk around without your cane or your crutch or whatever and then you get to the altar and ask for you know (laughs) it was a song called something stupid i used to like it (laughs) i don't know why you know, as, you know, they'll say, and then I went and spoiled it all by saying something stupid like, I love you. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, we do that when we come to the altar sometimes. You spoil everything by saying something stupid. And so stay with your first desire. Stay with your enthusiasm to get what it is that God has for you. And don't let your mind, your carnal mind, go tilt and clock out on you. And make you diminish it into something you think you can handle and not what God wants you to have. We have to stay in the the zone. We got to stay in the faith. We got to stay in the word and stay in what the word says we're supposed to receive in order to get. And that's how these people that you see in the Bible get the full manifestation of what it is they want. They just stay in that zone of faith. It's like shock me God. You know I want to be shocked. I don't want you to tone it down to where my mind can handle it. I want to be shocked today and see what happens. You know, God's faithful. He'll come through for you. That's how the greats got what they were. Abraham and Sarah had a baby at 90 90 and 100. Why? Because they let God shock them. You know, (laughs) they've been shocked enough by their own own crazy stuff. Anyway, what's, what's one more shock? So they just said, well, God said it. I'm just going to stand here and let him do that in my life. You see what I'm saying? And so these things are necessary in order for us to receive. We have to be willing to let God do exactly what he says he's going to do in his word. Even the exceeding abundantly, sometimes we can try to control it. If you're not careful, you know, <laughs> exceeding. Let me see what exceeding. Well, it's one more thing to, as I, I would do that sometimes when, when God would would uh, be teaching me what, what I call myself learning faith. And uh, 
God would answer a prayer for me and I would say, well, God, let me see the exceeding abundantly part of it. You know, I had asked for certain things and had certain things in my mind and my heart that I wanted. And then, you know, you would find a couple add tos. But that was exceeding to me in that day. And I was also happy for it. And I said to myself, I said, that was just one or two add tos. It wasn't messing your head up exceeding you know what i'm saying and so there is more yet to come as far as your faith is concerned you can start to believe god for much 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 greater things uh and they're going to be necessary amen they and they're necessary now like uh, things to do with healing and getting people off drugs you know the number of people that are hooked on drugs nowadays in the year the the ages of them gets younger and younger and the young kids who are abducted and, and pressed into prostitution and, and child slavery and all that kind of stuff, uh, there's great need for us to be able to press into God and expect greater things from him. You know, I mean, whole generations need to get freed from the oppression of the devil in the world. So, so it's a good thing to understand that when God seeks you, you can still use your faith. For whatever it is, the greatest amount you feel you can receive from God, put your faith in there so that your faith will draw from God the things that you really need. So faith does not always initiate, but it must be present in order for the person to receive. We need to understand that when God approaches us, he is keeping covenant. He looks for us when we have a need or in due time. So you may not have a pressing need, but God will initiate keeping covenant with us because it's time for it. It's the season in our lives for these things to happen. Many times it's, it's a positioning that God wants to do with us where our faith and our commitment to him and our resolve to serve him is consistent enough where he knows he, he can uh, distribute more and entrust more to us. Say, for instance, with Abraham and Sarah. They, they messed around and had a kid the way they thought they should have this kid because they thought they could help God. And then they, they got so much you know, discord in the family and so, more, so forth, they knew it wasn't right, but they were going to work with it anyway. You know, let's let Ishmael hang around God. I, I know that was a mistake, but let him live anyway. You know, God said, no, it's not what I had for you. And so he has to get people a certain level of maturity before they can, you know, handle all that stuff. Um, there's, there's a growing trend now for uh, men to be more involved with their children, but that wasn't always the case. You know, if there was a separation or divorce, the woman just took the children, and the, the man kind of had visitation here and there. But nowadays they're a little more involved with them. And so we have to take into account that there are things that have to be worked out in individuals before God can move in with certain things that he's promised to us. Got me? There are still promises for, for people. You know, uh, the, the, the young, young person that's had a child out of wedlock is still promised a wife and a family and all those things. And so God has to visit them in due season to make sure that that happens right for them this time. Uh, amen. 
he's not opposed to helping us once we've made mistakes but you know chances are people just don't see god as being that loving and forgiving and still having a good life planned for them even though they've made mistakes that mistake is the same as the ones you and i make when we screw up our checkbook you understand what i'm saying you know and i'm not trying to minimize anything but but god sees forgiveness the same way you got me and he sees your your starting point is starting over again and so we have to always stay open to god still has that planned for me and in due time it will happen it's the due time that gets people a little messed up sometimes sometimes they want things in a hurry and they don't want, or sometimes they put them off and say it's never going to happen and and the season is due sometimes it's overdue you know i i look sometimes and i look at all the young people here and i said no god no i gotta go find husbands and wives for everybody too come on now i'm studying the word doing my part no matchmaker matchmaker make me hmm? i mean whatever <laughs> we just have to do what we got to do here but you see sometimes promises taking a long time to be fulfilled with people and so i just always pray for god's for people's due season god you know i don't know the season i'm getting anxious and i ain't even trying to get married i'm just here praying for folks and observing you know what i'm saying but there's got to be a due season for everybody you got me a due season for you and so god will seek you out in due season huh i was uh uh the our friends in the russian church in detroit uh there was a couple there and and uh, uh i had met the the wife in the church she was a member of the church and the gentleman i had not met before and uh they were working the church decided to do some street witnessing in hamtramck and they were doing that and another church decided to help them and this gentleman was a part of the other church and uh the uh they were going out witnessing in in groups and so he always went witnessing with this group it was the same group all the time he said and one day god just started to speak to me that this this young lady was my wife and he said i began to pray about it of course he was scared <laughs> men are always scared of marriage now they ain't scared of sex and they ain't scared of lying to you but they scared of marriage i said it i said it i said it they scared of anything legal but they will illegal with you all day long just saying they ain't talking about nobody i know just saying <clears throat> where was i forget where i was sometimes but, uh, oh yeah 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 so anyway <laughs> so the gentleman just he said well i prayed about it and i was a little nervous about asking i asked her one day is god this she said you mean you haven't prayed yet <laughs> his sister was on it <laughs> so they prayed like for a week or so i guess they're and they're expecting their first child now they're married and expecting their first child but see it was their due season 
and sometimes your due season will come up you didn't even know you had seed planted for that you know it just pops up on you like that and so god will visit us in due season now we have to use our faith to follow through on it though when he tells you it's your season the ball is in your court to use your faith to follow through on what god is telling you sometimes people miss their due season or prolong it because they stay in the flesh about stuff they never really tap into the spirit and find out what god is doing and what he has for them some people think certain things can only be accomplished a certain way in their lives so we have to be careful to allow god to uh, get us in his spirit on things and follow through by the spirit so we don't have to convince god to seek us he is already in pursuit mode so he's following after us already he pursued us from the foundation of the earth and continues to pursue us continually so he is continually watching over us seeking us uh, finding out in our lives what we need showing us what he will do for us all of that is part of his pursuit of us so he wants to do us good all the days of our lives God's covenant has all the provisions already in mind for us. So you don't have to tell him what color clothes you like or how big a diamond you want. He know it already. Huh? <laughs> Just keep developing your faith. Keep your little nose clean, mind your little beeswax. Let him take care of these things for you. Amen. Don't ever think God is going to shortchange you or that somebody god has put into your life will shortchange you we got to get off this amen we got to get off this thing being scared of people being hard on people and thinking they won't and i can tell you most people in obeying god if somebody really has a heart to obey god god will tend to have them go overboard in their obedience rather than shrink back you got me i mean seriously he will bring people in your life that he can trust and that he uh has chosen to do these things so let god do it don't try to pick out the right person to you know to do certain things you need to have done don't don't make up your mind who's going to help you i remember oral roberts saying that there was a man who sent him a letter once and said i don't like you i don't like your ministry i don't like anything about you but god told me to send you this money <laughs> so it's not always a nice polite person that you know we think you know you know <laughs> it's never that way with god because then god would have to bow to you you'd be in control if he let you do all that stuff you see what i'm saying so we have to trust to let god be god in our lives that's the best way to do it just lay it all down and trust him for everything so his covenant has all the provisions already in mind for us he has said what he wants to do for us he just wants us to believe and follow him in his instructions to lead us into faith and into the promise so there is a leading of god we have to obey there's an obedience there that we have to observe in order for god to do the things that he wants to do in our lives 
Second Samuel, if you'll turn there, I, I thought about this story when I was thinking about the fact that, that we don't always have to initiate things and that God keeps covenant and mercy. In Second Samuel, we see a story, and we've, we've looked at this before, and it doesn't hurt to look at it again in light of the fact of that God wants you to know that you don't have to be so hard on yourself trying to do all of this stuff to get God to do something for you. He's already decided to bless you. He has already decided he loves you. He's already decided he's going to forgive you. If he told uh, Peter, he would. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brethren? And the, the implication was in one day, there's somebody that's hard to get along with. And God said, Peter said seven times, and Jesus said no more like 70 times. There's no limit on how often we will have to forgive somebody as far as God, what God expects. And the same thing holds true for God. He will give forgive us 70 times, seven in one day. Huh? For, for them professional cut-ups in your life. Huh? <laughs> Some people can't do right for doing wrong all the time. It's like every time you get around them, they mess up. They say something unkind or say something goofy, huh? But them the 70 times 7 people, huh? Bible says if you do good to those who do good to you, what thanks do you have? The heathens can do that. Hmm? We all know how to cultivate relationships with people that are no trouble, huh? But it's the trouble people that need love too you know they they need help too the hypocrite needs church <laughs> the sinner needs god so we have to understand this about god his love is if we understand what he commands from us then we'll understand more about what he feels toward us if he tells you to do something he's going to do it even more if he tells you don't steal, that's because he ain't a thief. He ain't getting you to put money in the offering because he wants your money. Uh, now, I can't speak for all them preachers. I can't speak for all preachers, but I can speak for God. When he tells you not to lie, it's because he tells the truth all the time. Huh? There is nobody you need to have to lie to get along with. Huh? You can be truthful, you know, you can be honest, just know why you're saying the stuff, you know, make sure your heart's right in it. <laughs> but people need to hear truth. Where are they going to hear it from if they don't hear it from the church? I mean, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> this world is in a terrible shape now because there are not enough of God's people in truth, living truth and speaking truth, you know. You've got to know it and live it to speak it right. If you know you have certain standards in your life, don't compromise your standard because somebody wants your attention or something like that. Stay with what God gave you. You know, have enough backbone to to be the kind of Christian that God wants you to be. So in Second Samuel, chapter nine. Samuel nine. I think I'm at verse. One. This is after David is um, anointed as king and he's in his office as king in Israel. Oh, we have a visitor. 
when he's wanting some some wires of some kind. <laughs> Praise the Lord, visitor that wants wires. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so anyway, in Second Samuel chapter nine and verse one. And this is really after David has um, been anointed as king. I'm thinking it's in the early years of his reign as king of, over Israel. And um, David, it was, it was necessary, i say it that much, I won't say traditional, but it was necessary when you were, uh, uh, take, took over the reign as king, to make sure that you found all your enemies and killed them. Huh? Because if you didn't kill them, they'd kill you. So the first step is like drain the swamp. Yeah. yeah. So that's the first thing. That's the first thing you do. <laughs> Amen. That's the first thing you do when you when you want to start off fresh and make things work. Is you drain the swamp. You don't hold on to old baggage for sentimental reasons. You get rid of all the enemies. Amen. Because you want your reign to be successful. You want your your policies and provisions to be successful. So David, whenever a, a new king was looking for people, they weren't sure, friend or foe. And so David is looking for somebody. He asks this question, and this is what God is asking about us and about keeping covenant. David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Is there anybody left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? In a man-to-man covenant, it bugs them to owe something to somebody and not be able to pay. It's the same thing that Jesus said about the woman that was bent over. He said she ought to be healed. In other words, he was saying, I owe her healing. Is there anybody in this synagogue today that I can show kindness because I owe them healing. I have a covenant of healing with somebody. And that's what Jesus looked for. When he came to the house of Israel, the Bible says he came to his own, but his own received him not. But he came to them because he had a covenant with those people. Now, by faith, anybody can enter into the covenant. And the Gentiles were smart enough to figure that out. Remember the woman with the sick daughter? She said, if I'm a dog, she said, give me a crumb. She said, because I know I can have that. See? All dogs can have a crumb. <laughs> Amen. So she bogarted her way into the covenant. Huh? I mean, you get it, you get it. The Bible says the kingdom suffers violence and the violence are always pressing into it. Amen. Beating down the door, getting in here. Which is allowable. Amen. So he's looking for those that he can keep. He owes it to him. God's got a covenant. He owes something to us. Amen. So when, when David asks that, he seeks to keep covenant with the house of Saul because of his covenant with Jonathan. Now, in 1 Samuel 18, you'll see where that was set up. 
When Jonathan was alive, we know now Saul and Jonathan died in battle. When Jonathan was alive, though, he and David cut covenant in verse 18, 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. And it came to pass when he made an end of speaking unto Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And that means covenant. It says, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and he would not let him go any more to his house. So the evidence that they had a covenant was that David then began to live in the household. So he and Jonathan cut covenant, but everybody in the household had to honor it, even his father. So Saul honored David as his own son and had him start to live there in the palace. And, of course, if you live somewhere, if you're smart, you'll find out how stuff works. I mean, you observe. Oh, they don't eat with fingers. They use a knife and a fork. I think I'll pick them up now. Yeah, I mean, just that simple. You learn things. You know why? Because that's your future home. You're learning how it works. You're learning how to get comfortable there. You're learning how to, when you're at home with your parents, you're learning things. If you're smart. You young people, you should be learning how to at least keep your room clean. You know, people so scared they're going to clean up after somebody else. And we ain't talking about nobody else. We're talking about your mess you create. Let's take care of that first. Huh? You're learning how to pay bills. You're learning how to be responsible. You're learning how to come in home consistently the same time. You know, I don't get these young people want to break curfew and then they want to get married. You know, sister, if you don't come in home with your, when you're married, you know what you're going to get when you get in there? Huh? Boom! With some of these brothers, you got one time to look like you want to try and come in there late. I can hear somebody, I'm glad I ain't married. That's why you know. Keep pushing the husband away with them little I'm glad. Nobody know and telling me what to do. Scared of you. <laughs> I'll tell you what to do. We'll let you get stupid on your own then. Some of y'all need somebody to tell you what to do and when to do it. Huh? I remember the last time I went out with some some old girlfriends from work. I shouldn't tell this, but I'm gonna tell. I guess I'm old enough to tell it. But I wound up at a lesbian bar. So I got home and I was sitting in a chair, and and my husband looked at me. He said, "Baby, where you been?" I was stupid enough to tell the truth. He said, really? I said, he said, let me tell you something. He said, usually when you go to them places, them people are real comfortable unless you like them. So you know what I asked him? I said, am I a lesbian? 
I know. I wasn't saved. I said, what do you think? He said, well, let me do this. He said, I'm going to put my hand right here. He said, how'd that feel? That feels okay. He said, you're not a lesbian. Okay. So that stopped me going out with old girlfriends from work. You got me? You married, you stay married. Huh? And I am not a lesbian. I was informed of that so many years ago. Huh? <laughs> Lord have mercy. But you see the mess you can get yourself into not respecting curfew and not want somebody to tell you what to do in your life. Huh? I told him, I said, they was wearing funny shoes. <laughs> yes, that's a real mess. Oh, man. So, anywho, so thank God for husbands that know how to straighten crazy wives out. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told anybody that or not, but anyway, hey, listen, whatever. So, thank you. (laughs) So, David sought to keep covenant with the house of Saul because of his covenant with Jonathan. So, after David and Jonathan cut covenant, David no longer lived in his father's house. So, covenant puts you under different authority. It puts you under different training. So that's what we are with the Lord. We're in different training. We're in a covenant with God. We're in all of these things now. Old things have truly passed away and all things have become new. And so you have moved into a whole new different way of living. You have a covenant with God that is irrevocable on his part. And it's up to him to keep covenant. We don't keep nothing. We just have to follow instructions. You got me? So we're doing good just to do what we're told. But he is the one who initiates everything. He is the one who introduces himself to us. He is the one who invites us in. And so he, David asked the question, is there anybody left that I can show kindness to? Amen. For Jonathan's sake. Not for their sake. Not because of you. See, if we can get past the fact that God is not expecting anything from us until we know what to do. Let me put it that way. He says, I'm keeping covenant with the descendants of Jonathan, not because they're doing right, not because of where they are, not because they're, they like me, not because of anything. But for Jonathan's sake, I owe it to Jonathan. I cut the covenant with him. And I owe him allegiance and responsibility for all his descendants. So really, the descendants don't have to do nothing but be found. Amen. That's all you got to do is be found. Amen. So he says in 1 Samuel 18, says uh, 1 through 5, we'll talk about what this covenant did for David. And this is why he's eternally grateful, see. 
this covenant with jonathan did something for david why because the less is always blessed by the better uh david didn't have nothing to give he was a shepherd boy that stunk with sheep poop on his sandals if he had sandals on amen dusty dirty all he knew how to do was keep himself from getting depressed by singing to god and singing psalms and playing hymns and stuff and so that was the skill that was his level of skill that he had when he came into covenant with jonathan and it says here and saul took him that day verse two and would not let him go home anymore to his father's house jonathan and david made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul whatever you would do for yourself that's love your neighbor as yourself see whatever you would do for him that's a covenant term to love somebody as your own soul and jonathan and david made covenant and and jonathan stripped himself of his robe that was on him and told david you will be king of israel Jonathan even said that to David in a conversation. I think you should be the king and I'll work under you. Well, you know that's not going to work. Jonathan was speaking his own demise when he said that. But it was God because that's eventually what happened. So he took his robe off. Whenever you were in covenant with someone, the, the person that had the better took what the lesser had and he put he covered david's clothing up with his clothing he didn't strip him down when you're in covenant with the better they don't take nothing from you everything's added too so dirty robe and all poopy sandals and all uh, jonathan took his garments and covered david with them love covers a multitude of amen your sins are covered and forgiven you got me he would took he gave it to david and his garments even to his sword gave him everything so in other words he made david equal with him that's what happens in covenant are we equal with the lord absolutely except in his sovereign right to rule we can possess what he possessed you can heal people like he heals people you can prophesy you have all the power of the holy spirit you can do the works of god amen and god the father sees you like a son or a daughter like his own son it says and wheresoever david went out and wheresoever saul sent him and behaved himself wisely so that means he wasn't just a a a runaway shepherd boy anymore something happened to him in his mind jonathan loved him as his own soul so there was really this transfer of abilities that came upon him because of this covenant it changes you it does it changes you because if it says there david was able he was a different person after the covenant with jonathan so he didn't just get now some things david got from god on his own but this stuff he had to get from somebody you got me a lot of stuff you won't get from god on your own i can pray just like you can i'm doing no you can't not if god will say if your name ain't on that miracle you don't get to do it huh it's not 
And if God tells you to go so-and-so and such-and-such and and go and listen to this person preach and that one and go to their church or whatever, you better do that. Because everything you just can't get on your own. You don't have the ability to get it. So David's training to become king, his training for reigning, came through his relationship with Jonathan, which David really truly valued. Gave him everything, even down to his bow and his girdle. The girdle was what, you know, carried all of this other weapons. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. Saul sent him over the men of war. He was accepted in sight of all because of his covenant with Jonathan. That opened up so many doors for him. It opened up a position for him, training for him. He even got to be uh, spoken of more highly than Saul. Remember when the girls, with the groupies would go out and dance, the war dance? You know, Saul killed his hundreds, David his ten. No, Saul killed his thousands, David his ten thousands, you know. So David was held in much higher esteem than he ever had been in his entire life. Why? Because of his covenant with Jonathan. If his covenant with Jonathan had not done much for him, he still owed it to his family to take care of him. He had given his word, see, and in your words, everything. So David was made higher in stature and ability. The less is always blessed by the better. So back in uh, um, 2 Samuel, uh, where we're talking about uh, David now after he's king, He's asking who of the house of Saul, if there's anybody left over, he can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king asked him, are are you Ziba? He said, yeah, I'm him. And the king said, is there not any left of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? So this is a covenant between two men but god is the one who ministers over the covenant so this is a holy covenant that can never be broken so david know that knows that he's obligated to hold up his word even though and him being king and having all power who would know if he did or not god would know and that's what's important to david god would know if you it's like with us if we tell somebody you're going to do something who would know if you do it or not or say god tells you to do something for somebody who would know if it was done or not god would know and that's the most important thing and so ziba finds that he tells him that he the king said to him <clears throat> ziba told tells him he's got a son which is lame in his feet now, what it looks like happened to is Mephibosheth, who was this uh, son of Jonathan's, was very small when war broke out. And it looks like war between David and Saul went on for more than 15, 17 years. And so this kid was picked up as a baby, and the nurse dropped him, and he never walked. And so he was always lame in his feet, which means that... If David's looking for him, he can't run. If David's looking for him, he can't hide. He's going to have to depend on somebody else to keep him hidden. And so that's where Mephibosheth was. He was at a place where it was very unfitting for the child of the descendant of a king, even a king who's not 
in his throne for him to be living in that place. This place, Lodi Bar, was where people came and just hung out because they were hiding. There's probably a lot of criminal element there, an uh, unclean place. It was not befitting for the son of the king, but that was the best he could do because he could not take care of himself. And so David finds out there's somebody, and this person has a need. Just like the woman that was bowed over had been that way for 18 years, and Satan had taken her ability to, to live a healthy, normal life from her, it was the same thing with Mephibosheth. So David all the more wants to reach out to him because he's not capable of doing it. Here he is, Jonathan's son, and David's heart was pricked like it was his own son that was having this difficulty. And that's covenant. When you feel for that person the way you would feel for yourself. That's the kind of covenant we have. When you pray for people, you pray for somebody, if they have cancer or something, you pray for them like you had it yourself. You can stand right in that place of intercession for them and be sincere about it. That's loving somebody like your own soul, loving your neighbor as yourself. So when David finds out his location and finds out he's not living well, David begins to seek him all the more. Just like the Lord does with us. Your location, you're not living well. I don't care if you mess up. Mostly we mess up ourselves. We don't, you know, oh, it just happened. Nothing just happens. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't stop God from, he wants to help you all the more. If you're a professional cut up and don't know how to manage your money, you need help. He needs to help. He wants to help you all the more because you're in that situation. You belong to him. He's not going to let you just because you ain't got sense enough to know how. I don't thought I had more money in there. You always say that. You liar. All them rubber checks. You know, sometimes when people give you a check, you want to stretch it to see if, it, to see if it's paper or not. You know what I'm saying? Huh? But God. Hmm? <laughs> So he's lame in both of his feet. David finds out where he was. And verse 4, the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said, behold, he's in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodibar. Now, these are just people. You know, he's not living well. He's not uh, in charge of anything. He's living in somebody else's house. And he's an heir to the last king. And David doesn't like it. And so it says in verse 5, David sent and fetched him out of the house of Mekir, the son of Amiel from Lodibar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, your servant. And David said to him, Fear not. How many times did Jesus say that when he would happen on the scene? I'm not coming here to do anything bad to you. I want to do you good all the days. Whenever he shows up, it's a fear not. I'm here to do you good. Fear not. I'm here to bless you. Fear not. I'm not going to ask you to do something that's too hard to do. That's the first thing we think. You know, you say to yourself, well, God, I want to stand on the word for my healing. 
I know it's going to take a lot of work, but your tongue will be dry from confessing the word. No, it won't, because you ain't going to do it that much. And he knows it when he told you he's going to heal He's going to heal you. You understand what I'm saying? So let's get, get that this stuff out of the way. It's too hard, and it's going to take too long. That's, you know, you'll be comfortable. You have to wait. It took me five years to get healed from a nervous breakdown. I had some tense days, like Brother Stone said, you have your good and your bad days. You have that, period. You understand what I'm saying? But there's a promise that holds you. It's not like you're there not knowing that you're going to get it. You're there knowing that you have it already. It's just a matter of time or a matter of whatever. But you keep walking with God and you will know the freedom that comes from being pain-free and sickness-free. See, it's a difference when you know that you have a covenant with God and when you're not sure if you're going to get better or not. People who have a covenant with God need to know that they will recover. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't know that, get to know that. Get to know the promise. You will recover. You got me? And don't sit there and act like it's going to be so hard and God's trying to keep it away from you. And you're struggling to get something from him. He's already given it. Don't be afraid. Get the fear of what God might require. With covenant people, we always think he's going to ask us to do too much. You know, you women want to get married and they get scared when they think about getting married. They think God's going to give them somebody they don't want. Huh? Why would he do that to him? Huh? I mean, think about it. Forget about you. Is this the problem? Huh? Always about us, right? Uh, why would he do that to some poor man? <laughs> I don't want him. I don't like. I don't like nobody. Look like him. We know that. That one ain't yours. So just let him go home to his wife. Get back to my word. (laughs) When Jesus shows us kindness, honey, it's not because of nothing you did right or anything you did wrong. It's because he's keeping covenant. Just like uh, David did it for Jonathan's sake, he said, I have an agreement with your daddy. ain't got nothing to do with you. It's about who your daddy is that cut covenant with me. So I have a promise based on what I promised to him. Just like God would, would come and get for the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Huh? Not Abraham, Ishmael. There's a covenant. So he came for them people, not for some other people. God came because he made that promise to Abraham and his seed that he was promised, the one that God promised him. So he says here, fear not, verse 7, don't be afraid. This is why we don't seek God sometimes. Don't seek him early. 
because we're not sure what he might tell us when we see him Hmm? you know some of us get smart we go to repent real quick god if i've done anything well don't just say don't say if i've done anything think a little bit you know what you did huh you just hoping he didn't see that he saw it loves you anyway huh <laughs> verse 7 he says don't fear he said i will surely show you kindness for jonathan your father's sake and i will restore all the land everything it's within my power to do it and i'm going to give you everything that was stolen from you by the devil so when jesus comes to us in covenant he's come he's coming to restore not take but give and he's coming to give us what belongs to us not something that we got to make up as we go along or something you're not sure if it's yours or not if he promised you something it belongs to you so god's coming to us in restoration mode amen just like when the children of israel left egypt what did god tell me he said go to your neighbors and borrow some of their jewelry get, get their best stuff and those people gave it to him willingly huh so it was not really a borrow i mean they use the word borrow but there's a different a stronger meaning there go there and demand that those people give that to you for the 400 years of slavery that you've had egypt owes you severance pay go get it from your neighbors huh why neighbors because they were the ones who had them enslaved huh it wasn't a government thing in in egypt you could tell a hebrew to do anything and they had to do it for you i mean that's what a real slave is folks somebody who has no rights whatsoever so god said go get your money because you leave in town tonight amen so they went and got all their stuff from there and the neighbors gave it to them willingly you know why because they saw all the plagues and all was going on and their kids started dropping around since what do you want <laughs> so really that was their offering to see if they could get peace with their god and many of the egyptians bought their way out of egypt that night because they knew what was going on if pharaoh didn't accept it they sure knew what was going on and so they bought their freedom that night by befriending the hebrew with the possessions that they had they knew it was over as far as life in egypt was concerned and so they were they were anxious to be able to unload some stuff to see if it could buy them safe passage out of there it's the same thing i tell people that all the time with with some of the things that we see uh um, african americans involved in in this country you think playing basketball is worth all that money when it wasn't number white people in it it wasn't worth very much was it and see people don't like this kind of talk but i'm gonna talk it anyway because it's the truth huh rappers don't do nothing but cuss i said i wish i could have been cussing and made i'd have made a string of money back in the day god won't let me cuss now they sell out madison square garden in five minutes with nothing but some beats and cussing huh 
got women sitting up there calling themselves names in their songs, you know. <laughs> and they do their little business, like all that stuff they be doing up there and that stuff. Listen, you ain't telling me that's art. But it's severance pay. That's what I call it. Art and severance pay. <laughs> Whatever. Half of y'all ain't understanding it, but that's okay. Just keep meditating. You get it next week. Huh? Why? Because you can't say God owes us anything. Huh? People who are still marching and protesting, trying to get some better look up because the, the money train is leaving right now. You know, it's been here for a long time. If you know how to tap into it. Huh? Some of these uh, rappers, their friends are like the, the you know, first families of, of American wealth. You know, Jay-Z is friends with people with old money. They go to the same parties. They got the same friends. They have the same business acquaintances. They have the same bankers. There's no difference between them, folks. You understand me? Once you're up there, you're up there. For whatever reason. God puts you up there, so you're up there. Does God uh, uh, make rappers wealthy? Yes. There's a lot of them out there. And that wealth comes from God, folks. I'm not saying they're serving God, but God's funneling in the, in them, it to them through the world system. Huh? Ooh, it's quiet around here. I like it. Start thinking. Huh? Start thinking about these things. You'll see where God doesn't owe man anything. Huh? He doesn't owe you anything. He's not going to owe us anything. Huh? So uh, David wants to show Jonathan kindness. He said, for your father's sake, I'll restore all the land of Saul, your father. And you will eat bread at my table continually. In other words, you got it made. He's doing all the providing even down to your position, your station, all of that kind of stuff. He's taking care of it. You're not shortchanged on anything. No? He's, what he's showing here, when he says, I'll show you kindness, that word kindness really is translated loving kindness and tender mercies, just like it comes from God. Amen? So he's, he's showing the loving kindness and tender mercies of God. And that means unlimited provision, unlimited access, and unlimited resources. All the way up to half the kingdom. That was the phrase that when a king promised you unlimited things, it went all the way up to half the kingdom. You found favor with them. That word phrase for the sake of, it means because of my relationship with Jonathan, I'm showing kindness, loving kindness and tender mercies to his descendants. What that means for us is God shows us loving kindness and tender mercy for Christ's sake. Because of what he did. Because of what he gave. Because he bestowed upon us all of his wealth because we dare to believe that his blood is sufficient 
to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So it's not because of your little obedience or you, you know, you, you, you pray a lot or you study your word a lot or, you know, you got faith and all this. Uh-uh. He's doing it for his son's sake because of what Jesus did. And all we have to do is believe that it's given to us. Hardest thing in the world sometimes. When the devil's hammering you all the time and telling you you didn't do this right and you didn't do that right. No, devil, you know what? And I'm probably going to mess up again. But I know somebody who did everything right. And he's assured me. Amen. He's assured me. That he will show me loving kindness and tender mercies all the days of my life. I don't work for you, devil. You're too hard to work for. Devil's hard to work for, y'all. God's a lot easier because he supplies everything for you. He empowers you. And then when you mess up, if you'll confess, he will forgive you. Amen? And you start over fresh. You'll start over with a deficit. He doesn't carry over your debts forever. Cancels your debts. So we have nothing to do with with the uh, uh, keeping of the covenant other than to listen for the voice of God and follow his leading. He leads us into the obedience that we have to do. You don't have to think of what to do on your own to please God. Your brain ain't that strong. Your brain won't even handle nothing like that. So the hard work, the heavy lifting has been done for us. That's why he says, come to me when you're heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Amen. Just put that stuff down. All we have to do is simply believe that it's done and accept the terms of the covenant. Amen. Mephibosheth's kindness believes with the restoration of what was lost. He get all his property back. His dad was a king. You must know they got a lot of property in that family. Plus he was the son of a wealthy man. Kish was a well-to-do man there. And so he gets all of that property. And, and he gets an inheritance. And his status. So he's got more coming every day. Do you hear what I said? You got an inheritance. You got more coming every day. You haven't tapped into most of what's yours. Huh? Because we get stuck with, with whether or not we can pay bills. You haven't get tapped into most of what's yours. Huh? You have authority over princes and high places. You know? Forget about your bills and start messing with that devil that's stealing everything. Amen? He empowers us to do all we need. There is nothing that he requires you to do that's too hard for you to do. He'll empower you to do it. All you got to do is be honest and admit you need it and you want it. Amen. When David said he will eat at my table all the days of his life, that means you get treated royally because you are royalty. Eating at, the, at his table means the best of the best. Unlimited provision. More than you can ask or think. Proper attire. 
You know God cares about whether you're comfortable in your clothes or not. And you get the children's bread every day, healing. Every meal, meal you sit down, you get the children's bread. You don't get, you don't have to do the hard work. You notice God put a steward in charge of the physical work. All Mephibosheth had to do was, was call for the steward and he could find out how much money he had, how many crops were brought in for them. Give me my rent. I know they up there living off that. Get, get my rent from me and bring it down here to me. Amen. Nothing missing, nothing broken. All he had to do was sit back and receive. He didn't have to go out and do any work. He didn't have to go out and confront any crops or confront any tenants or anything like that. All he did was call for the steward to give him an accounting of what was his. You got me? See, we live so hard before God. Because we don't want our brains to try and accept the goodness of God, what his tender mercies and loving kindness provide for us. And we need his mercy. Don't try to act like you want to try and work and earn everything. You're not doing it even when you think you are. Huh? You're living off his tender mercy and loving kindness. If God didn't have mercy for you, on you, those people at your job that respect you would turn on you and run you out of there in a day. Huh? Just, some of us, you sense it every now and then. We wonder why the other shoe don't drop. That's because of God's tender mercy and loving kindness. Sometimes we've been given chance after chance after chance and still keep messing up and getting on the chopping block. Huh? But God. But God. He straightens us out and he helps us so much. Amen. He's a God who keeps covenants and mercy. And he's looking for us every day to show ourselves strong, himself strong on our behalf. Amen. Why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you, Lord.